You're about to listen to a podcast with uh, Steve Mayer, who uh, won the overall draft champions contest in 2022. We also have Russell Withers on with Graham. Um, but just a note he sent uh, that Steve sent me after the fact. He does talk about uh, using the full clock in the two to four hour DCs. And he did want to clarify that he doesn't use the whole clock. He just said, use it to make sure you check the news. So it was a more of, don't forget to check the news. He's not burning the clock and annoying the shit out of people. But um, he wanted to clarify that. And when I was re-listening to this podcast, I talked about Steve Weimer and um, Mike Mager being the best draft champions players in terms of the resume. And I probably forgot Casey Chaw. So um, I felt stupid re-listening to that. And um, I got to add Casey to that list of uh, that three-headed monster. Um, aside from that... Um, no pod next week. We got the pod, I got the pod with Mike the Mouth coming up this weekend, the first one with uh, with that new podcast. But the week after, I'm doing a podcast uh, called The Best Players You've Never Heard Of. So players that you've never heard on a podcast that are really good, successful NFBC players. And uh, we've got Nikolai Nutson coming on with two of his buddies, um, the Arnesons, um, who are also um, very good players. With, um, they play in a lot of leagues and a lot of success. Success. We have Mark Rod, um, a.k.a. Reggie. Um, very good player um, that I don't think has been on any podcast. And we also have Todd Hoppy, an extremely successful player that I'm surprised no one's heard of. So last year we had Guilds and Bobby Big Bucks on. And before they were really on a lot of podcasts, um, I had them on this podcast and guess what? They both won main events. Or they both won overall titles last year. Um, and a year or two before that, you wouldn't really hear them on any podcast. Now they're now you hear them everywhere, and you, and everyone's uh, everyone knows them pretty well. So these five guys: the Arnesons, Nikolai Nutson, Mark Rod, and Todd Hoppy. Um, I think it's going to be a good podcast. It's going to be a podcast. Um that will bring you the best players in the NFPC that you haven't heard about. And um, we're going to talk about mainly DCs, and it should be good, but enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We're here today with um, a champion, the, the DC champions. I, know, I didn't even put the, put the pieces together until now. The 2022 Draft Champions champion, Steve Mayer. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, sir. How are you, how how are you doing, are you, Zach? How are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming on. And story behind this so I, I reached out to, to Steve I asked Derek for his number and he, he gave he obliged and I asked Steve to come on the podcast and um, I said to him you know what listen like um, these things work really well for them um, with three people um, that's advice that I got from Gecko because when I asked him to come on he's like get somebody else so we got DuPont so here I asked uh, Steve I said who what analysts in the community or whatever that you like to um, would you would you want to come on with and he, and he said Russell Withers at armchair Roto Russell, what's up? You've been, yeah. you've been, what's the word? Selected? You've been. It is, it is my honor to have been picked out of, uh, on a huge community of, of esteemed analysts to come on and provide some, some fake expertise on the Draft Champions podcast. All right. Don't, uh, don't beat yourself up too much, but um, no. Um, <laughs> thank you, Steve, for coming on. And we also got Graham here. I don't want to forget him. My buddy from Canada. Co-host. Yo, what's up? Co-host. What's up, Graham? I'm good. I'm uh three's the perfect number, so four is a crowd, and let's let's do this. Yeah, you're you're just here. <laughs> I'm hanging out. 
So Steve, I, I put in the agenda, no, no one cares about your personal life or how you got into fantasy or your stories about like your favorite game of all time. So um, Steve, you got one, you got less than one minute to talk about yourself or anything you want to say. And I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut you right off. No, man, long time listener, first time caller. Glad to be here. <laughs> awesome. No, so you're from Wisconsin. I saw Greg said you're a fellow Brewers fan. Yeah, that's right. That's so you right. got you, John Fish, um, who also are from, uh, all the NFBC guys in Brocious. So, um, yeah, you're just uh, you're one of them. And how long have you been playing NFBC? Yeah, I think it's been about seven years now. I think, yeah, you know, they have the good statistic page you can look up. I had some real forgettable years in there, but 2016 kind of broke in. Humble right. beginnings. So um, without further ado, uh, you won the overall contest. You just edged out um, um, another guy that was on the podcast just recently is Mike Mike Major, or Mager, sorry, I'm calling him Major. Mager, Mike Mager, uh, one of the best players, one of the best draft champions players in the world. I'd say him and Steve Weimer for longevity and everything. They're probably the two that have the best resume in history, I would say. Um, and that's just me doing my just ad hoc analysis, but doesn't mean much. Um, but Steve, you won the championship last year. You had uh, an amazing team. I posted that team on, you You don't have Twitter. Um, and I posted that team sort of advertising this podcast. And just to run through, just you know, people that didn't see that, the players that you had selected post round, like post 400. And we're going to look at the, uh, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to draft a post 400 team. Round 29, Stephen Kwan. Round 31, wrote Ronzi Contreras. But everything after that, you had Kyle Wright, you had Andres Munoz, Daniel Bard, Jorge Lopez, Yon Duran, Ryan Helsley in round 44, Jake McCarthy in round 46, Vinny Pasquantino in round 49, Jose Leclerc in round 50. And I feel like I'm even missing some players. I know you hit on Jeremy Pena, and we're going to talk about this throughout the podcast. So everyone, looked at that and just they said this is crazy this is like the the most ridiculous run in particular for the closers and i want to we'll get into it so i guess just what are your thoughts on just just basically um you know like i don't know it, it, it reminds me of that clip that bill burr had the comedian he's like you know he's talking about arnold schwarzenegger and he's like why why wouldn't he think he could bang the nanny because this guy's been in the zone for like 40 years he's like becomes Mr. Olympia, comes over, marries royalty, blah, blah, blah. Why wouldn't he think he could do that? But basically, like, you you were in the fucking zone for, like, 30 rounds. So just talk about that, first of all. Yeah, it feels like I may have used my one time on the river. You know, I feel like I'm done. You know, <laughs> that may have been very well been my one time. I, I It's 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 a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I mean, uh, out of all the entries, I was in there six times, and uh, thank goodness you're not showing the other five rosters because they would be uh, abysmal. But it just the puzzle, the puzzle pieces fit together. It's one of those things where you're kind of targeting a guy. You're, you're you're waiting patiently for that 30 picks to go through to come roll around again. And it was one of those times where I just I just wasn't getting sniped. You know, things were coming through for me. And I don't know, puzzle pieces fit together once in a lifetime. Yeah, man, like for sure. Like, uh, but the, the thing is, and this is not something I really had on the agenda, but drafting in these overall competitions, it's like, yeah, people say like, yeah, that 
look, I, I screwed up my other teams. I had a couple bullets in this contest, but you're drafting with that in mind. You're not drafting to win your league. You're drafting to win the overall. It's sort of the same conversation I had with uh, Bob Kramitola when he won the main event. Yeah, he had some fucking shitty main event teams as well, but that that's part of the whole strategy. So just because you have some crap teams in the contest with a winning team, I don't think that's anything that takes away from the fact that you won it. Like, it, not significantly. Like, I guess you'd probably get more clout if you had that one bullet and you won it. But I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing because it's all part of the strategy. So before we get into the, the specifics of the, of the draft champions, I want to talk about some global trends. And I posted this and I'm like, this is sort of something that's interesting. Just global trends that, um, that have like stuck out since 2015 to 2022. And I'm seeing, we're seeing the strikeout rate go up. Um, you're seeing um, pitchers throw harder. You're seeing slider usage go up. So there's been like an overall pitch mix change, like on a global level, on a macro level. And you're seeing barrels, hard hit, exit velocity all go up, but at the same time, average and slugging going down. So what if anything, well, I'll start, maybe let's start with Russell here. What if anything can you like infer based on like these sort of trends that we're looking at? Yeah, I, I thought the, the table you posted on Twitter was really interesting. So I actually went back and looked even farther. So there are a few things I noticed. If you look at, uh, I looked at uh, fastball velocity, slider velocity, and even change up velocity over the last 20 years. And all three of them uh, have a very significant steady trajectory upwards. So I looked at uh, league, just league average pitch velocity for these types of pitches. So in 2002, the average fastball velocity was 89. And uh, last year it got all the way up to 93.6. And there, there wasn't a blip. It either went up or stayed the same every time. And the same is true for sliders and, and change-ups. Um, I think that it just sort of reflects a few different things. Um, one, just the how specialized uh, teams are getting in terms of how they select pitchers and use pitchers, utilize pitchers, what roles they put them in. Um, if, a, if a starter isn't going to work out as a starter, they're much quicker to, to yank that, that starter and, and put them in the bullpen. And you can actually see that um, in a bunch of different places. There's this, uh, uh, this completely unrelated article I posted on my website about quality starts because I hate quality starts. Uh, it maps out starter wins versus reliever wins. And over the same time period, you can see starter wins trending down steadily and reliever wins trending up steadily. And so relievers are being utilized more often and mm. they, pitch, they pitch a lot harder. They come in, they gas out, and then they're done. So it's you look at all that and you see interesting things like Batters are striking out more, but also getting better at their quality of contact. I think that what has happened with the pitchers has forced teams to weed out batters a lot quicker. So, you know, striking out a lot used to be frowned upon, but over time, it's now totally fine to strike out a lot if you make really good quality of contact when you hit the ball. So, that's why you're seeing this steady upwards trend in strikeout rates at the same time that you're seeing quality of contact increase as well. So they're hitting the ball less, but they're hitting it a lot better. And I just think this is a, 
a, a global trend on both the pitching and the hitting side of everything just getting better. Teams are just getting better at improving players, finding what works, and, and putting the right things out on the field. No, that's a good point. I, I know the more relievers is an obvious point that is happening, and you connected the dots, which I didn't. That's a, that's a good point. Um, Steve, do you have any thoughts on this? I was just admiring the happy the happy fun ball from 2019 there, how yeah. it had kind of broke the trend briefly. But yes. yeah, it's, uh, thanks for breaking that down, Russell. I'm with you. Yeah, to, to add to what Russell's saying, the a really interesting thing that I think, especially with like, quote, market, like there are no small market teams, right? Like they, they play poor, but like, and operate within budgets. But like a run saved is equal to a run scored, right? So you can, but it's it's significantly cheaper to pay for defense than it is to pay for offense. So you can kind of see that too with the declines, I think, across like batting average and slugging. And I I mean like a guy like Jose Siri, like the the Rays go out and spend on him. I think he epitomizes this. <laughs> yeah. Because like that guy barrels the fuck out of the ball. He strikes out like crazy and he plays elite center field defense. Like this is just kind of where the game's going, right? That's it's a really sort of sort of an arms race. That's a really insightful point, actually. That's a perfect that's like that's so perfect. Um and, and, and it's sort of it's it sort of like the, when the Jays traded for Eric Swanson, you can't understand it, but you're seeing the relievers are getting used more and 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 uh, it fits the whole narrative of all the of where the where the game's headed. And speaking uh, of this, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to add, I mean, I, I know that we're going to talk about the rule changes, but I think that that's, this is the reason that the MLB is putting these rule changes in because these trends yep. are so steady and, and there's no, there's no sign of it slowing down at all. So that's why we're getting these drastic rule changes because they don't want the game to turn into where this is going. Right. And I was, I was going to get into the rule changes, but you know what, I'm going to stop myself and, and ask because a lot of the times you talk about the, these things and then uh, you forget to talk about how they're applicable to the game we play, the fantasy game. So, and I honestly can't even think of anything off the top of my head. How do you apply these trends into your strategy this year? So yeah, strikeouts are, are going to go up. Um, maybe the, with the shift and everything, like strikeout pitchers become more valuable. How would you, if, if you could pick one thing about this, how would you apply this into um, gaining an edge for this year? Anyone? I know that's a tough, it's a tough question. Um, I mean, for me, I just, I just incorporate it into my projections so that I don't have to really think about it when I'm drafting. Well, um, what did you incorporate? That answers the question. Then, if you if you tell me what you what you would incorporate, okay. That's, so that's, um, the, that's the application. Yeah, some of this is kind of is kind of rudimentary, but um, in terms of the shift, um, you know, I have a pretty basic uh, projection system. It's kind of like a I describe it as kind of a Marcel plus. It's just three. It's just weighted averages. I throw some extra stuff in into the soup, but but what I did this year was I I added. Um, for hitters and batting average, I added uh, pull rate, ground ball rate, and and I looked at how often they they pull ground balls into play 
for for hits that, that didn't go for outs. And then I, based on a couple of different ways of looking at it, I, I chose a, a percentage of those outs that I thought would go for hits next season. And I just applied that to all the hitters all the way on down. So if you had a higher pull rate and a higher ground ball rate, uh, I just assumed that those players were going to get uh, uh, just a, a slightly better hit rate. And so that automatically translates to batting average. And it didn't increase things as much as you might think. Um, I don't have the changes in front of me, but you know, for I think some of the most some of the most extreme changes I think were, you know, like eight to nine, ten points in in batting average. Um, but I don't think it's going to make as much of a difference as people think it's going to because it's a it's a tie that lifts all boats. I mean, every player pulls balls and hits ground balls even if they don't have high rates. So. I, I think the way that it, that it worked out for me was every player saw something from a two to three to eight to nine percent and uh, uh, point increase in batting average. Right. And what about whip, the, 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 the converse? Yeah, this, this was an even more basic change. So I just looked at how many more balls I expected in play to go for hits. And I just sort of did a, a blanket small increase to to ERA and whip. So it's not super scientific. I just factored it in. Okay. All right, let's 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 talk about these new rules. So like uh Steve, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put you in the spot here. There's six I have six new rules listed or like I guess the 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 impact six impacts of the new rules. So one would be the pitch clock on stolen bases. One would be the pitch clock on pitchers, so tempo. Another one would be base sizes. Fourth one would be the shift impact on hitters, then the shift impact on pitchers, and then the balance schedule. So if you were to rank those one to six in terms of their impact on fantasy, how would you rank them, Steve? Uh, the, the one I'm, I'm most interested in is the pick, pitch clock on the pitchers, you know, messing up their uh, rhythm and their, uh, as you say, tempo. Uh, maybe even so more, uh, more so on the closers. You know, Kenley Jansen is known to be slow. It's very painful to watch Gallegos pitch. You know, there's, I don't, I don't know what kind of effect this is going to have on these guys. You know, they, you can only throw to the base uh, certain times. Um, I, I don't, I, on the, uh, the base stealing type stuff, I think that might ramp up for the good stealers. Uh, the, the, the rabbits stop the hop. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> base sizes. You know, the shift impact on hitters, you know, you, you got the Carlos Santana who shift, uh, shifted all the time, uh, maybe just the left-handed power guys. I don't know if anything can save Joey Gallo, but, you know, so I guess ranking it, uh, the pitch clock on the pitcher, you know, the shift impact on the pitcher. So I'm, I'm worried about pitch stuff, um, base sizes. I don't know. I, I guess for me, it's the pitcher stuff right uh, and the grips with i feel like it might be a little bit like the wild west we have no idea what pitchers are going to be affected by that which one are you least worried about or not worried but which one do you think has the least impact if you had to pick one of those six which one are you going to spend like the, the balance schedule to uh which one are you going to spend the least time in terms of your prep on i don't know base sizes i mean yeah again i i I don't, I don't know if you're a bad, if you're a bad base stealer. I don't, I don't know if anything can help you. 
You know, I mean, they talk about the mid-range guys, you know, the, the guy that gets eight might get 12, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I, I'm fascinated in just the, the tempo stuff. Who's, who's going to be screwed up unexpectedly by that, especially if you're a, a veteran and you've pitched for many years? Is, is this something that's going to rock your world? Right. All right, Graham, let's, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Like, maybe you just, you don't need to go get into a lot of detail, but what are your thoughts in terms of like the, your prior, priorities? So from a fantasy perspective, I think if you're uh, a person who looks at projections, um, the schedule doesn't matter because projections already have that, right? So if, if you're going to weigh that in your head on top of projections, you're double counting. So like, get rid of that thought. Wait, wait, um, I, don't, I don't think that some of the, the projections, I don't think are counting for a lot of this though. Like for the schedule, any, they are. Oh, for the schedule, like, I'm sorry. I, I was uh, okay. just looking at the points, point by point. Oh, sorry, I thought you said, um, I thought you were talking in general. My bad. Go oh, on. yeah. In, in generalities, my thought is that baseball is moving towards like athletes. They, they want athletes on the mound and they want athletes at every position. So how I'm approaching this is I, I'm trending my biases and my picks of my drafting towards athletic players. Like I, I would prefer, like, yeah, I, want, it's, it's, to... I, I would prefer that this is stupid, but there are two players in my head. I would prefer Hunter Green to Lance Lynn. Um, they're just like complete opposites, but just like, I, I want the athlete. I want, you the, want the body. You yeah. Want, I want the, the body. You want the hot body. I yeah. want the hot body. I, I want the Jose Miranda. He's looking sexy. Like, yeah, yeah that's, and, and then I think. Where's I think Bjorn? Where's Bjorn? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that's the generalities that I'd be looking at it with. I think the the four inches or whatever on the base size, I don't think that matters. Um, yeah, I saw some interesting stuff. You tweeted a stuff out ages ago about that, where you broke it down like microsecond by microsecond or something, and it. it there's lots of bang bang plays, and it'll basically just change the bang bang plays for everyone. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my math was completely accurate, but it was directional. But then I, I saw something similar. Uh, so when you see like, like Kyle body was tweeting that like the, the best way to stop people from stealing bases is by getting the ball to the plate quicker. So it goes back to athletes, right? Like I, I want pitchers who can maintain their velocity through their wind up and everything consistently so that so that they don't need to take breaks like that's where the game's going right like they've got the clock in so that like if you want to throw 95 96 for like the duration of your start like you got to be in shape man yeah no that makes sense great um russell what do you any thoughts here want to do yeah, a ranking? I, mean, I already mentioned that, that that some of these changes are sort of a a rising tide that lifts all boats um, affects more players than others. But I think as a, as a fantasy player, I think the balanced schedule is the most interesting, especially when you're talking about uh, draft champions where you're, where, where you, you need a whole lot of depth. You're draft, drafting a bunch of crappy pitchers. Um, you know, it's, it's true that, that the schedule is factored into most projection systems, but when you're drafting, 15 to, to 17 starting pitchers. You know, it's nice to know that you know, Kyle Gibson um, isn't going to face the, the Yankees and the Blue Jays as much as he would in seasons past. 
So for, for a lot of those kind of backend starters, you're picking and choosing your matchups, you know, when you're going to actually put them in the lineup and knowing that they aren't going to see as much tough competition just in terms of how you're going to use them. Um, I think that's probably the most actionable thing on here for me. Right. Um, I'd agree with you, Russell. I think number one um, is the balance schedule. I, I, I had them ranked. I said balance schedule one because, I yeah, maybe it is practiced in the projections, but I don't really know the ingredients of those projections. So I'm going to do it myself. And especially when you're looking at fab and you're looking at uh, what's, what's going to happen in the next month or so, next four starts. I think that's really important and really interesting. Um, second one, I said the shift impact on hitters. That's gonna, I think that's going to be impactful. Um, I think the pitch clock on stolen bases, I think it's it's going to be impactful in terms of like, yeah, it's going to increase the stolen bases, you'd think. Um, I think most people agree with that. Um, but who are going to be the biggest beneficiaries because there's going to be different segments as, as Steve alluded to the rabbits. Um, so I think guys, I think guys like Machado and Goldschmidt, those are two guys that aren't actually really fast, but they're smart and they steal smart and you've seen, they know what to steal. I think those are the players that, that my gut says might just tick up. I wouldn't be surprised to see Paul Goldschmidt still 20 bases at 20 bases this year, um, to be honest, or Machado. It, it wasn't listed, but I actually think that that's the biggest thing. The, the pickoff limits. That's what I mean. The pitch clock on stolen bases. That was. Yeah, oh, okay. That, so you think that's the biggest one? I think that's the biggest one. Yeah. I have that at three, like in glo- in terms of global impact, I have, I have that at three. Um, and then the shift on pitchers, I have at four and the tempo, like, yeah, like it, it is like Steve said, it is interesting. Like you hear everyone talking about Kenley Jansen, but how do I, pl- how do I apply that? Like, yeah, like it's probably impactful, impactful, um, in the in the grand scheme of things but how is that impactful to me like how am i going to go about and strategize for that yeah all the relief pitchers are pretty bad in terms of tempo so what am i going to do not draft relief pitchers like my hands are really tied right now i can't really do anything about that so it's sort of it it, for me that that it is what it is like yeah there's going to be impact but in terms of like how it's going to impact my preparation nothing and then the base sizes i think are the last I i don't think that's important um so let's move on to listener questions. And again, another um, tip from Shrebro when he was on the podcast. Let's get right to the listener questions. Let's get get to what people are asking. So let's get to, so these are for Steve. Steve, this is from Ben Gansenberg. Thoughts on Lance Lynn bounce back. We talked, we just talked about him. What are your thoughts on Lance Lynn, Steve? Yeah, you know, Lance Lynn kind of bounced back during the season. You know, he had that, mis- he got injured right out of the shoot. He had that, that knee injury you didn't see coming. Uh, pitched horribly uh, for for half the year and then kind of rebounded with uh, a, a resounding recovery right there. So I think he sticks on that path. I think he's fine. I think the it's how how you value the White Sox this year, you know, because he's he's kind of just a steady player. You're looking for wins there. So the White Sox, you know, they got some changes. How much will they miss Abreu? You know, uh, Andrew Vaughn. What's how's he gonna fare? Uh, you know, a full year out of Eloy might make them uh, potent. Uh, Lance Lynn, a uh, good solid, uh, good win potential there. If you like the White Sox, I, I kind of do. So, um, you know, good good third starter if you can get them there. Right on. Anyone else have any comments? Yeah, I don't hate Lance Lynn. I was just using him as an example. You just hate it. You just hate that he's out of shape. He's just got a big gut, right? Like, I don't know. That's fine. That's fine but- for Pitt. That's fine. 
Yeah, David Wells. Like David, we've seen, David, we've seen, we've seen it happen. Hey, you know, Mark, board, Mark, right? Mark Burley was a Burley boy. He he pitched up with Tampa. Okay, is Jonathan Aranda playing? This is another question from Ben. He's 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 trying to get all those questions in. Is Jonathan Aranda playing a role for Tampa Bay? Steve. You know, every, everybody seems to play a role for Tampa Bay. They, <laughs> they, they find a spot for everybody. The, the one thing about their roster is how clumsy it's, it's compiled. Uh, got a bunch of guys with no options like Siri and Vidal Brujan and uh, Aranda and Parades are kind of battling at, at first base, you know, maybe, maybe in a platoon situation. So I kind of feel like there might be a trade coming there in some way. You know, just the way that's structured with uh, so little flexibility. But, um, you know, right now they got a, a Randa. I'm, I'm using roster resource. You know, I, th- I think that's kind of the, the, the go-to move there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Aranda uh, listed as the, the uh, strong side of the platoon at first base. You know, I, I, I guess he didn't pan out at second, uh, feeling more of a bat first guy, but. Um, you know, they got a lot of mouths to feed there, but uh, that's true. If, if, if he gets a chance, I, I, I do like him. you know, if it, he'll hit. Graham, you're a prospect guy. What do you think about Aranda? I love him. Really? Yeah. Should I stay yeah, in the DC that we're in right now? I would sure. I don't know, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not a big deal. I, I yeah, I, I just think he has like going back to batted ball quality and all that. He, he does a lot of that. He hits the ball really hard. I mean, you have to know what you're buying, right? Like it's it's the race. He's he's going to be platooned probably with Paredes. Um, I don't know. The the thing is with these Rays guys is they have so many more coming up behind them. So you have to know it's very sink or swim. Yeah. Like it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if he what did he hit when he came up last year? He didn't hit very well. Um I know if you watched his at bats though, because it felt like he was always playing against the Jays, that he uh, he was a tough at bat. But I, I think he hit like two hundred or something. He he wasn't great in his limited exposure. But you know, it, if if he gets another hundred at bats and he's not producing, like it wouldn't surprise me to see Curtis meet up or someone like that. There's just so many chefs in that kitchen. Like, like yeah, based on what you said about um, Aranda and Mead, and you got um, Manzardo, and you got Low, and you got everyone there. Like, does that really basically screw over Paredes? Like, like in terms of like short side platoon best? Yeah, I think it really limits his upside. So when Gialdi was drafting Paredes and all these um, gladiators, would you, <laughs> would you have stopped him? <laughs> he never asked me <laughs> i think it was him um maybe it was someone else but i think it was him anyways next question uh, from ben his third question is is kalenic finally due steve what do you think about kalenic yeah she's uh, he's always due you know uh i i think it might just be baby steps this year you know they brought in uh, aj pollock to kind of to, to kind of take the lefties from him and i don't know maybe the shift helps him you know maybe maybe puts the ball in in, in the gap there um, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, that it's, it's hard to, it's hard to believe how he's failed so miserably, you know, and he had that good run at the end of the year, although against maybe weaker competition, but he, he put up some numbers. I mean, we're looking, I'm, I'm looking for some bright spots there, but I think at his draft price, you know, and, and maybe they, they, they baby him in there and he starts making these little headways, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm still into a degree. I know he's a disaster, but he's a bench piece in a in a draft and hold. 
And the, the thing is, he's not being drafted as a bench piece. He's being, if you want him, you're going to be drafting him technically as your starter. Maybe if you're confident of, uh, in, in players you can get post round 23 that you believe are going to get starters playing time, then you can afford to take him where he's going. Um, is he going as like a fifth outfielder? Yeah, he's pretty much going as your fifth outfielder. Um, so um, I heard that, I think, I think I heard the, the GM say that the, the, like the best, um, the best thing for the team long term is if like Kalenic and Taylor Trammell are are good and are playing. So they're going to give him the opportunity. But he's also fighting for opportunities with people they also want to give opportunities to. So um, it's going to be very hard for him to get a full run right away. So I think you're looking at at least initially, like a platoon bat, and then he's really going to have to knock their socks off to, like get more than that so it's really a tough one because unlike corbin carroll who's somebody you think is going to get a full run right away you're sort of starting behind the eight ball with kalenic albeit um kalenic has already failed and um he's already failed and he's in he might he might have that, that the pedigree sort of worn off of him or not the pedigree worn off but like the shine's worn off It's one of those things, right? Like he's so young to make the majors. It's it's so hard to write it off. Yeah, um, it's really t- it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. It's it's hard to it's hard to take him as as your starter uh, in these leagues. But uh, yeah, it's like is he due? It's like yeah, he's always due, right? At, um, at this point in time, it's weird to say it, but like you're almost just hopeful that he's like a big league regular, like. I don't, I think the superstar ship might have sailed, but he's so young. Like it, it could totally seem like an idiot for saying something like that. You know what? We all knew what he was until we all did it. So for right. us to for us to again speculate and say we know again, it's like we, what 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 do we do now? Like everyone was everyone was all over him, and then now we're like, okay, we're all we're all wrong. Now are we gonna are we gonna? We've already we've already admitted our mistakes because we're collectively drafting him around pick three hundred. Are we, is anyone gonna gonna say otherwise? I don't know. It's just, it's just yeah, tough. you're you're talking about one of those sex pigs. Hey Bjorn, how you doing? <laughs> Steve Bjorn just showed up. Sorry, um, I guess he must have got the link, but um, he's here. So Steve, meet Bjorn. Hi Steve, how you doing? Nice to meet you, sir. Doctor, I guess. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very good. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Bjorn Masterson, MD. Um, I, I have a question. Are you about um, 40 years old by chance? I was at one time. Okay. I was just, because I didn't know, because your name is Steve Meyer, and I, I was wondering if you were maybe in the uh, witness protection program, because uh, in 1996, Jeffrey Meyer interfered with the ball, and um, <laughs> Derek Jeter was awarded a home run. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Okay, so we got. Well, let's, so, we're anyways, um, if you do, if you do know a Jeffrey Meyer, um, just tell him um, if a man in a van ever approaches him, his name would be uh, Mr. Dupont or Tazawa, and says he wants to ask him some questions. Tell De- Jeffrey to run because um, he's a noted Yankee hater, so so there might be some ill will there. Um, but it's good to meet you, Steve. I'll, I'll listen now. Okay, so we're just we're trying to get through these um, these questions here. So Ben from Detroit says. 
What's the preferred blend of boring vets versus prospects? What considerations are you making with prospects in general? He's got a lot of questions here. So let's, let's just tackle that for now. So Steve, vets versus yeah, prospects. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of a tortoise and a hare type thing. You know, the, the boring vets are, are uh, the tortoise. It's slow. You're going to win the race with that. So, so uh, emphasis, emphasis on at bats and quality, boring vets, you know, to, but Again, on the other hand, I I tend to be a risk taker. You know, when you break the team down, uh, all kinds of crazy risk, all kinds of injury stuff. So uh, I like to have that prospect in there. You know, in a draft and hold, it's 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 about price tag. You know, there's going to be certain prospects that are gonna that are gonna slip, and sometimes you draft a little earlier where their role isn't quite known yet, or so. Um, it's it's a blend. It's it's roster construction. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, for prospects where I can get them. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'm a, I'm a risk taker. And as it, when we, when we get into some of the team specific questions, you, you'll see that. You yeah. Know, I can see from risk, your I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of excessive risk reward type. Yeah. And that's how you, that's what I'm saying. You, you have some teams hits and you, and you have some teams don't hit. Um, last question is from this guy, Aaron. Um, Mid to late round targets that are undervalued. Do you have any? And you want some sort of name puns? Um, do you have any mid to late round targets that you think are undervalued? So I guess we're gonna we're just so everyone knows we're gonna be drafting an all post four hundred eighty p team. But maybe you have um, maybe you can give us one or two one target that you have like before that that you think is a little bit undervalued. Yeah, just uh, just kind of taking a look at a few of the drafts I got going on right now. See if anything jumps out. You know, it's, it's just, it's just some of that player movement. You know, it's one of those things where you see it, you see a hit, like you'll see the uh, areas trade and then immediately you'll say Alex Kirilov, or you'll see, um, you know, uh, Edward Olivares getting a chance when they move Michael A. Taylor, you know, stuff like that, just responses to news. So um, guys, guys like that, because uh, outfield, being, you know, a lot of names, but the quality dries up so fast. So for me, little shifts like that. So um, I like Oliveris. I, I, uh, I know he's been, he's been riding the frequent, frequent flyer between uh, the minors and back, but, you know, Alex Kirilov coming off the wrist injury, but uh, stuff, stuff like that. So people that suddenly pop into a role like that, you know, and uh, that's the, that's the number one thing for me. And, draft and holds is just make sure I check the news before I make my pick. I mean, we got two to four hours to make a pick. Don't be in a hurry, you know, check the news. Don't tell Mike to melt that. Yeah, um, I so, guess in that league, you do not have that much time. No, you don't have that luxury with him. Um, so let's talk about your overall win. So Steve, again, won the overall draft champions in uh, 2022. Um, um, Zach, Zach yeah. just, just one moment. I, I, I do have to jump off here earlier, but um, I wanted to talk to Russell for a moment. Russell, it's great to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bjorn. How are um, you? I'm, I'm doing good. You are almost the spitting image of Bill Withers. Is he related to by any chance? Are you familiar with Bill Withers? You know, I've heard that before, but uh, no, I don't know Bill Withers. Do you have a favorite song of his? No, I don't, actually. 
All right. Uh, Use Me is a good one. I recommend that. Also, Ain't No Sunshine. Uh, that's a great one. Uh, Lean On Me. Um, I am a little under the weather, so it's good to talk to you guys a little bit. Uh, Shrimp Boat Captain, I see you here too. Um, uh, be well, and um, I will, uh, I'll talk to you all later. Thank you, Zach. Jordan, are you under the withers? Oh, gosh, mm -hmm. I missed that. Oh, yeah. That is a very good point. Carl, yeah. Carl, Carl Withers from Rocky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds enjoyable, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't wither away. All right, thanks, Bjorn. Thanks for thanks for hopping in. Yep, I'll talk never, to you all never, later. Never stop the hop into our draft um, champions podcast. All right, um, Steve, overall winner. So people go for the 80th percentile. People also look at the 90th percentile to, for an overall from an overall perspective. You averaged 89.2 percent, like for um, if you average all of the categories. You're one of only eight teams in the top 100 to be below the 65th percentile in at-bats and below, and below the 75th percentile in innings pitched. So you made this up. You crushed um, certain categories, stolen bases and ERA. You were elite in. Um, you were actually more elite in those than saves, despite like all those hits you had um, on, in, you know, on relief pitching, which might surprise people. And I want to ask you how you managed that, but you, you did well. Um, you were you did not you didn't exceed the eighty you won the overall but you didn't exceed the eighty fifth percentile in runs RBIs wins and average so you did good but not um, elite in those categories but you did um, get Jose Leclerc just to reiterate here um, Ryan Helsley Yon Duran um, Jorge Lopez uh, Bard and Munoz all after round thirty so how did you manage those closers? Like, what was your relief and starter pitcher mix certain weeks? And how did you decide who to pick? It, it sounds like like my brain's hurting just thinking about this. Yeah, you know, and uh, it actually wasn't as non-traditional as it seems because it was kind of like a Gallegos in round seven. And I think that was where he hadn't quite been named yet. I think Alex Reyes was still hanging around. And right. then I followed up with Bednar. A yeah, so later. So that was kind of my base. That's something that we didn't post or we didn't talk about. You you did, you didn't wait on closures. You did draft closures in round seven and round 12-ish, I think. So you, you did take your two quote unquote traditional closures and you doubled down with all of those guys I listed later. Yeah, I mean, I'm I it's very painful to me to stop and draft a closer early, you know, the opportunity cost. I mean, I just I I feel the pain. So I do like to launch those rockets late. But as, but uh, as as far as the balance goes, I, I had a lot of injuries with the bats, but the but the pitchers stayed in there pretty solidly. You know, there there was a kind of a core five guys. You know, Sandy and Gossman, uh, Zach Gallen kind of fell a little bit in that draft just because of the injury concern. McKenzie, and then just the lottery ticket on Kyle Wright, who's just somebody I'd just been on for years, you know, and he just finally came through. I wasn't, can't say that I was expecting that, that big of a jump, but, you know, kind of, kind of put things together. And then John Gray was kind of the, the uh, swing guy there. So on a, on a good week, those would have been the six. And then I would, I, I was, I was Gallegos Bednar. And I think I was Duran first. And then as, as a, and then, then I started believing in Bard, you know, I, I, I kept just, you know, denying that he was, he was going to turn into a pumpkin, but he, but he, he kept coming through. So I went there and then, and then Helsley, 
you know, took over right away. So it was usually six, six and three. Um, I did have a couple weeks where I, where I went for four closers just because of the, the, the matchups on like John Gray and he was nicked up kind of halfway through the season too. So there were, there were times that I was kind of struggling to fill the, fill the staff. So did you even use Andres Munoz at all? No, no. And uh, that's that, and, and, people, and that people, and that's, people are, people and that's are, sorry to interrupt. People are saying that he was their savior in not just DC leagues, but other leagues. He was, he was their savior and you couldn't even use him because your team is so good. No. And uh, one, one thing about the, the, the grind of it all, and, and it's kind of a Leclerc story. You mentioned Leclerc. Um, the season had that crazy three days at the end, right? It usually ends on, on week 26 and like a horse race, you're trying to be in front at the end of that 26th week. And because of the lockout, they added those three days. You had that partial week. Right. And I, I feel like those three days aged me three years, you know, because <laughs> it was it was such a close race. But the talk only time Mike, I had talk to Mike Bager the about lineup, the only time I put Leclerc in the lineup was that week 26. I was trying to play this abundance of closers figuring they might not blow up. Right. But so I kind of loaded up because I was just like three days. This is chaos. So I just loaded up there. And I remember that Texas played the Yankees. They had a four game series. So I'm like, okay, four shots at it. And I remember Texas had two save opportunities in there. You know, I'm kind of watching the scoreboard and, you know, any self-respecting fantasy owner, when they see a score that's three runs or less, what's the first thing you think? save opportunity right even bo even before you look in you go that's my guy that's my save so so texas texas beats the yankees twice that that in that three-day set and time number one it's mike moore comes in gets the save <laughs> mike moore i'm like okay Matt, maybe Matt it's more matchups. it's it's matchups not more oh what i say you said mike moore it's, it's, i thought i was oh. talking to lenny melnick for a second oh gosh mike moore matt moore uh, go ahead. And Sorry. They, they, go ahead. They come out again, and uh, once uh, the second save opportunity that week was again, uh, Moore got the save opportunity. So I'm still looking for Leclerc. You know, he he kind of disappeared. He was hot, and then he did not pitch in that week. And also Bednar was in a, was in a tie game and so didn't pick up the win. And then he was in a save opportunity and they didn't use him. And I go. You got three months to rest, man. Come on, pitch that game. But yeah, he sat that one out too. So I had all the closers out there, but I think I only got one save. I think Helsley got a save. That no way. that three days was rough, man. So were you were you a six and three for most of the season though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, sort of, Ronzi it was sort of like mixed a in there a little bit too, but they they babied him so much. Ronzi? Yeah, they, they, yeah. He he was just starting to find his stride, and I, I remember there was a day game. They brought him out there. He pitched four innings. He I think they might've been scoreless innings and he was rolling. And then the next inning, he's not in there. And then the announcer said, well, he was on a 55 pitch uh, limit today. Just, no just out of the blue. So they babied him. And, and the hardest part about looking at the Ronzi. He was um, like one of your um, most owned players. Well, and, and the hard thing about that is I, I recall vividly that he went around the same time as Hunter Green. And, and for some reason I was on Ronzi. I just felt like he had was more assured of a spot and I blew that Hunter green thing. And I, and I, uh, 
regret that one a lot. Hunter Green, of course. He didn't do Rock much last it. year. He just near the end he was good, but he but for like from a from a DC perspective, like he wasn't super valuable. Yeah, I guess it's just the recency thing with me. You know, I just like Ronzi ended up getting babied. He was he was there from the start, but he got babied and and didn't contribute. And then Hunter Green came on like a rocket. So yeah. So um Russell. Um you had a bold call last year about uh, Spencer Strider. You're going to make any more of those this year? You had Spencer Strider what, on, on like five of your 20 teams or something like that. I don't know. You said something. Yeah. Like um, yeah. Nobody really jumps out like he did to me this season. And when I, the first thing I do every off season is I build the player pool I'm going to draft from. So I go through every team and I grab I mean, every prospect who looks halfway interesting, and I'd never even heard of Strider, um, but, you know, you take a one look at his minor league record and he crossed three levels and then debuted at the end of the season and was just lights out every step of the way. So you're like, he's going to be a part of the team. They obviously like him. I don't know what his role is going to be, but I just gave him, I think I gave him like 65, 70 innings or something, and he had good ratios and good strikeout numbers. And that was enough to be drafting him in the, in the 600s and draft champions, you, you know, you, you take someone like that and, you know, a reliever who's going to do that is, is helpful. And it just worked out that he turned into what he turned into, you know, I was drafting him in, in November and December. And then when spring training started and he looked like they were really going to stretch him out um, to either be a starter or a long reliever, then all of a sudden his, his value really started going up. And just, you know, everything just kind of fell into place. I, I had, uh, I mean, my teams, my draft champions teams were a mixed bag last year, but I had one really good team that finished 25th overall. And, and he was on that team. Um, nice. It's pretty easy to. So to what things would you be looking for? What, like, maybe if you don't have someone uh, specific in mind, but what sort of traits or, or analysis would you be doing to, to find that a player like that? I don't want to say the next Spencer Strider, but like a player. Of, yeah. What what what, what mean, are you looking for in terms like, of profiles? Well, if you're looking at minor leaguers, you know I don't. I typically don't draft minor leaguers unless they've debuted. So uh, in draft champions, at least, I'll take a stab on someone in a fab league in the, in the final rounds because you can cut them immediately. But but typically in draft champions, I want someone who's debuted already because I know that they are probably going to have some kind of role. Um, you know, a player who kind of Kind of fits that mold on the hitting side this season is Spencer Steer. I mean, he's not going anywhere near as late as as Strider was, but he came up and got some run for Cincinnati and and uh, wasn't very good. But he is going to be a part of their plan this season. He's pretty cheap. I've been taking him as a a third third baseman on a, a pretty good chunk of draft champions teams, and you know, at his current cost, it doesn't really matter all that much if he works out or not. Um, so, so those are the kind of players I like to take. Um, in terms of, of, you know, profiles similar to Strider, you know, Gavin Stone looks a lot like Strider did in terms of his minor league record. Um, I don't think the swinging strike rates are quite as high. Doesn't throw. Um, he, he doesn't throw as hard. More yeah, and he, yeah, and he hasn't debuted yet, so you know you have no idea when he's going to come up what his role is going to be uh, he's also being drafted a lot earlier than strider was i think people are are you know 
paying for a lot of what could be possible. And I don't really like to do that. People are getting so smarter. I, yeah. Jerry so, Harrison Jr. is an, anal an, an analyst. He, he said that um, that change up that, that um, Stone has is just like it tunnels perfectly. He doesn't throw quite as hard, but it tunnels so well. And um, I don't know. There, there's some, there's some write-ups on him that he's still like not a finished guy, but I don't know. He's someone that's going like in the, in, in the mid thirties in terms of rounds. So yeah, you're paying, you're paying up for all these players. I think the information is becoming more prevalent. It's harder to, it's harder to, the edge is harder to find every year. Yeah. Um, also, also on the reds, I've been, I've been drafting a lot of Mike Siani really late. Um, he came up at the end of the season also wasn't very good, but you know, his, his minor league profile is pretty good. Double digit walk rates, his strikeout rates aren't, aren't really obscene. And there's a lot of opportunity in Cincinnati. I don't think it would take much for him to to break through and have a semi-regular role, which is really all you want with a, an eighth or ninth outfielder. Right on. Now, Steve, um, similar question. You you hit on all those uh, all those uh, relief pitchers so so well last year, especially especially in this one draft. And you didn't get them in all the drafts. Like some of them, that was your only share. But nonetheless, what sort of um, traits are you looking for? How did how did you identify those players last year? Because that, that that couldn't have been an accident. You know, th thinking back on it, I was I was just uh, I I have to preface this that this particular draft that this team went in was in the midst of spring training. You know, you talk about when you drafted, so there was some spring training intel. You know, a couple of these arms, I I got some news that they were they were throwing well, kind of high velocity, especially on Duran. There were some beat writers that were were on him. And just just say, I mean, he didn't have a role to find. I, I don't even know if he was making. I, I think he was was going to make the team, but you know, he was dazzling in spring. Um, Helsley was just kind of a back. I, I I considered him the backup to Gallegos. I was handcuffing there, right? You know, and I I that makes sense. So uh, and and Lopez, that had to do with a news bullet, uh, a news hit during my draft spot. That was, I guess, Cole Susser got moved. You know, Baltimore was kind of in flux, and they—I don't know if Susser was the was the proposed closer, and he got moved over to Miami. And I and I want to say somebody might have grabbed Dylan Tate, and then I went Jorge Lopez. So, uh, just just opportunistic, but I I you know sometimes I'm just looking for those flawed flawed pitchers that throw gas, you know. Um, Tanner, Tanner Scott, you know, Hunter Harvey. Yeah. Spring Dylan training. Coleman, Jorge Alcala, you know, just because yeah, I, I think the, I think the only thing, only, the only thing we know is that closers are going to implode. We just implode, but we just don't know which ones, you know, and it's just, sometimes you got to defy logic with it and just try to go with, go with some, some skills. I guess I just like the gas, the hard thrower, somebody who might just get the opportunity. Yeah. And I think Duran was a guy that I honestly wasn't on my radar at all until, um, until spring training started reading on him about his stuff. I saw people draft him. I saw Casey Chai was taking him in some leagues. Um, and he only was on my teams that I drafted really late. Um, another guy with um, just an aside that I got to mention is Felix Bautista. I had him on a couple to draft champions teams last year um, just because of 
um, I don't even remember what I was reading, but I, I heard reports. So I started, I started drafting him and he wasn't even in the player pool um, for most, for most of draft champion season. So I, I saw that he, I, I saw that he got added um, near the, like uh, the end of the season, I was in a draft and it's a funny because this, uh, this guy um, DM me that it was in my draft. His name's Michael Schneider. And um, he said, sure, pick up Batista. I put in a, he's like, we're in the middle of a DC. He said he put a request in a couple of days ago to put Felix Batista in the player pool. So he's the guy that requested him to go in the player pool. And then I drafted him in the draft. So there's a lesson for you. If you're going to put, if you're going to request um, someone that's not in the player pool to be in the player pool, wait till you're actually going to draft him because he's like, Oh, he's, not, he's nice about it. He's like, I wanted to wait to the 50th round to draft him. And I just took him, I think like around 47 or 48. And um, he's like, nice pick, man. I'm like, well, thanks. Um, whatever but it's just um that's just i don't know just I, th- I just thought of that i thought it was kind of funny um just uh bragging about my felix batista picks um so um what else here so um looking at your player shares um steve i i think you had, i i have five of these drafts that i that i documented you four, on four of your teams you had ronzi Contreras, nick senzel byron buxton and dalton jeffries and you had a couple other guys um on three teams that, I, that are too too many to list but on that um, team that you won the overall on the impressive run of closers is almost rivaled by the impressive run of injured players you drafted. Um, Luis Robert, Luis Robert, LBJ, LBJ is now Luis Robert Jr. So I call him LBJ. There's no more Lou Bob. Um, we'll call him, we'll refer to him as LBJ going forward. Um, Byron Buxton, Jesse Winker, Tyler Stevenson, Giovanni Gallegos, not injured, but lost his job. Jazz Chisholm, John Gray, who was often on injured and Nick Senzel. Those were all, um, players that you drafted as starters with, within the first 23 rounds. So it's kind of like if you had told me that the overall winning team had all of those players on their team drafted prior to round 22, because Nick Senzel was the last pick in round 21, I would say no, no chance. But for every hit, you made up for it with, for every bust, you made up for it with a massive hit in terms of where they were being drafted. Jeremy Pena in round 23, Tristan McKenzie late, J-Rod, you had on several teams, Zach Gallen, Jesus Lazardo. He was kind of hurt a little bit, but he still, when he was playing, it was worth it. Kyle Wright, Jake McCarthy, Vinny Pasquantino, Stephen Kwan. So really it was a high variance team. So some people would say you're like in quotes, Oh, I'm drafting this team with the overall in mind, which is sort of a cliche thing now that we've heard it so many times, but like you did you, you didn't get lucky. You, you won this, Steve. So talk about that. Defend, defend your honor here. Well, I, I'm a risk reward guy. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm constantly on upside. You know, it's, it's, it's non-traditional. I mean, that's, that's just how I like to play the game. I like to have fun. I occasionally, I like the, the, the shiny new player, you know, it's, it's unscientific, but, um, and this particular draft was a result of, uh, no matter how I, I mean, I, I tried to set my KDS uh, to, to get early to middle. And I think five out of the six drafts, I always got the, black, the, the last block of five. I was always 10 and, 10 and off. So because I kept getting that same draft slot, it was kind of a frustration play. I go, okay, if I'm going to draft from the same pool again, I'm, I'm just going to swing, swing hard in case I hit it. And I, and it just, 
that that Lou Bob Byron Buxton tandem, as ridiculous as it is, <laughs> I just go, this is this is going to be the year. I mean, that defies all logic. I mean, you, I got what I paid for with those two. They 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 both went down. Um, but it, it was just like I, I I'm just I'm just going to swing hard. I, I I'm gonna, I'm going to and and the rest of the guys on that list, you know, uh, Jazz Chisholm, that was just kind of a steals play, you know, because I, I don't know. I, I I admittedly that's a lot of risk, and um, I probably need to go to face uh, fantasy baseball players anonymous and confess my my Nick Senzel problem. <laughs> because that is the, 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 you know, that is my Charlie Brown trying to kick the football every year. I, 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 I couldn't tell you what I see in that guy. I mean, uh, you, the, the scouting reports, although if I had to defend him, which there is no defense for Senzel, is I, I feel like they mismanaged him with all those position changes and all that. You know, he's, he's made a glass to begin with, but I don't know. He, he probably just should have been a, a third baseman or a second baseman and left alone there and just see what happens. But if you're in a draft with me, please draft him, you know, cause I can't <laughs> stop. Um, speaking of that, and I'll jump ahead, but are you giving, like, I have this question uh, written down for you. Are you giving into guys again, or are you giving them a second chance? I don't even, what did I write here? Are you into, oh, are you into guys again to give them a second chance or, um, um, it, or like based on their upside still? And the guys that like I saw you drafted a lot and you can comment on some, maybe not all of them. Well, the first one I've listed is Sinzel. Like these are guys that like you, there's a legitimate reason to be back in on them. And no, I mean, he's, he's riding around in a golf cart still, you know, we're, yeah. we're a couple of weeks away from uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. So it, it's, you know, he's, he's just, a, a been an incredible bust. And I just, I, I just, I just can't quit him. It's, it's, I, I know I, it's, it's hard to admit that in public here, Zach. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I've got a couple other ones here. Pache, Corbin Martin. No, you know, you know, that, that Pache, Kevin Smith stuff. That was just trying to find some bench pieces that were going to get regular playing time that seemed to have maybe some diverse skill sets. You know, Smith, I guess, is probably a quad A hitter at best, but he was given the third base job. He had a big year in AAA. It looked like he might make a little bit of a splash. I was just hoping he would be uh, on the bench in case I needed him. A uh, little power, little speed. I know the average wasn't maybe going to be there, but he ended up kind of crapping that job away and then Pache you know he's a defensive player I thought maybe that was some cheap speed you know kind of the same thing uh Ruiz is going to do today but uh or, or Ruiz has got that gig now uh potentially but uh I thought I thought that'd be some cheap speed I don't think Pache has much of a role if anything maybe a defensive replacement maybe a pinch runner Ruiz looks but, like somebody yeah. that's going to be up your alley this year the risk reward play Say that again. Ruiz looks Ruiz? like somebody he, he'd be up Ruiz. your alley. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that is, that is my kind of play to be honest with you. You know, if you end up with like your first couple of outfielders being like a Jordan and, and stuff like that, you're looking for that speed. Um, I, I don't know. Cause, cause Mondesi kind of thing. I mean, what, what do you think of the Mondesi trade to, to, to Boston fresh starts? I mean, can he, can he, can he produce a little bit? 
What do is I it, think? Or is it just health related? I don't know. I think it's just like, for me, it's always been the health and, well, specifically last year, it's where, he, where he's going for the risk reward. He was always going so early. And I think it was just too much of a risk to, for like for what his range of outcomes were, where he was going. So he was off my board then. Then last year, it was that combined with the fact that the, the tea leaves said that he wasn't going to be a full-time player. So again, it was going way too early for me. Now he's going even later. So there is the health. And you do have some quotes from the Red Sox saying that um, they're not even sure he's going to be ready right away. And then they said, I think the quotes were that um, I could pull up some of the quotes, actually. I probably have them right, right up here. Um, I think when he was a Royal, though, like nobody really expected him back for the first month. So the Bloom said, we really like the upside of this opportunity, thought it made sense. Whether he's uh, wh whether he's on time or not, we're expecting him to contribute for the bulk of the year. But as far as how we look at our shortstop situation, it doesn't change anything about where we're headed and the opportunity in front of Kike. So when Aldoberto is back, we know, uh, given his track record, I don't think we want to put too much on him. He'll be part of the mix. We'll bring him along the right way. We'll take care of him. And him being part of the mix will make it easier to take care of everyone else. So that said, so that's telling me two things. One, he might not be ready right away. Two, he's part of the mix. So I don't think they see him as a starter. So he's still, the playing time's in question. The house is in question. The price might be right. So like this year, I wouldn't say I'm completely out on him. I have not drafted him yet. But I think, again, um, he might be wish casting if you're drafting him. Any thoughts on that? Anyone else? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm I'm kind of with you, Zach. I don't have any shares of him yet, but uh, you know, I projected him for 400 plate appearances. So I've you know baked in him missing a third of the season, even even before that news. And so in in my drafts, he's starting to his price is starting to to move so far back that he's on on my list when it yeah. gets there. But I just haven't done it yet, so I probably won't either. Yeah, I kind of want to build my team so I don't need to take him. But I don't know. I, I admit it, it is kind of a bias for me because a bit often he's just a guy that um, I'm just anti that profile. And it's funny because Ruiz is kind of the same thing, like to a degree. Yet I'm not, I'm, yet he's going earlier and I'm not as um, disinclined. Whatever. what's the word? I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm more, I'm more inclined to take Ruiz than, than what is he at their cost. So where were we? Are we doing anything else? Do you want, do you want to get into our uh, post 400 um, draft game where we're all going to go position by position and do an, an all post 400 ADP game or team? I don't hear any, um, I don't hear any um, for forever. Hold your peace. Boys, all right. So let's start a catcher. So post four hundred, we'll we'll use DC ADP from January first onward. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna check. So you can cheat if you want to. But um, let's let's uh, let's talk about catcher. Steve, we'll start off with you. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a a post hype play here. You know this this particular season has given us a lot of uh, fresh um, offensive first catchers. You know you got. 
uh, Endy and Bohapi and Bo Naylor being added to the pool. And somewhere hidden on the utility is Francisco Alvarez. But I'm going to go for a post hype. I'm going to go out to Slam Diego. What about Luis Campusano? You know, I, I when you look back at the at the rookie grades on stuff, he might have fared pretty well with some of the the shiny new toys coming in now. Um, uh, Nola is not exactly an immovable object. You know, if Campusano comes up, gets hot, uh, he could he could carve out a nice role there. Perfect third catcher, uh, good second catcher for you if you punt. Uh, catcher it, yeah, entirely, and you just need that upside. So I, I, I'm looking at Campusano this year. Okay. Russell, do you got one or two? Did you do one or two, you guys? Are we doing two? I don't know. It's up to you guys. Steve, did you have one or two? I'll, I'll, I'll throw a, a, uh, an irrational one. I'm, a, I'm an irrational player. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I like Sam Huff as a, as a deep play, you know, just somebody who uh, has been kind of a pro, uh, prospect for quite a while. I know he's blocked by uh, Garver and Jonah Heim, but uh, he's, he's big time power. If he, if he could find his, uh, find a role in the lineup somewhere, I, I think he could do some damage, you know, maybe late in the season, but just kind of an upside play for a fourth catcher. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be afraid of a Jewish catcher in front of you. Um, and Jonah Heim. Um, Russell, what about you? Okay, um, let's get things started off with the right stroke. And I'll take uh, Reese McGuire, <laughs> the start, starter for Boston. Uh, he's going to have plate appearances. He's not really going to hurt you anywhere, even though he's not going to do a whole lot. Um, perfectly acceptable batting average for a, an, an end game catcher, I guess in our case, a starting catcher. And then I guess for my second one, I'll, I'll balance him out with. Uh, Maybe a power bounce back from Zunino. Nice, Graham. I know you're like about to start a draft. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll drop out when I need to. Okay, so you can do. Um, you're more than welcome to play this game. Uh, catchers. Uh, I hadn't given it this much thought to be honest, but I'll go with Gary. Mm, El Gary. I I hate Gary. Like I just always have, mostly because he's a Yankee. Um, but. It, it's insane how cheap he is now. Um, he's creeping up. He was rumored to be signing in uh, Giants land there, but just, I don't know, if he's, if he's your third catcher, I, I've drafted him a couple times as that. And I, yeah. Like, you know exactly what you're getting for the most part. There were some funny quotes from his agent being like, he's he took last year to get like mentally right from the anguish that was his breakup with the Yankees or something so I, I don't know if you want to believe that but I think he's gonna hit 20 home runs and hit 200 like I don't know it's fine I don't mind it um all right I, I have um I have an old uh, 400 post 400 team prepared as well um and I'll bleep out all of my picks and then I'll, po I'll post it on the, <laughs> I'll post it on the Patreon um unbleeped out so, and I'm, I'm not going to, I won't go into detail. I'm just going to, because just in the interest of time for my picks, I, I won't explain them. I'll just list the players. So the players I had at catcher were, and those were my catcher picks. All right, uh, Steve, let's go back to you for first base. First base, I'm going to, I'm going to try a change of scenery play here. Um, let's go with G-Man Choi. 
He's in that vaunted Pittsburgh lineup now, but I'm joking. But if you look at the top half of the lineup, you know, O'Neill Cruz, if Brian Reynolds sticks around, key Brian Hayes, there could be some traffic on the bases. Uh, Choi had an elbow injury last year. Uh, he hit like 280 in the first half and then kind of uh, sloughed off quite a bit. Could be injury related. I think he's had that fixed. Um, hitting in the middle of that lineup, uh, strong side of a platoon at worst. Um, I'll take my chances on Choi. All right. So that's a well-backed up reasoning. Russell. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jesus Aguilar. Uh, newly signed in Oakland. has got a starting role. Um, Zach, you know this. When you, when you do a high volume of drafts, you can kind of see when people start thinking that a player is not going to sign, he just falls and falls and falls and falls and falls. And then all of a sudden he signs and his ADP is like 250 spots later than where he should be going. So if you're drafting in February, you should be grabbing Jesus Aguilar every, everywhere you can. It's just a huge value right now. Right. Graham? Uh, first base, hey? This guy hey, like... First base, hey. First base, hey? The hoser? Who do you want? A uh, fucking give me some Lamonte Wade Jr. Lamonte, is that how you say his name? I don't know. You gave him an A? Lamonte? Lamonte. He's, he's going like, what, what is this, 592 I got here? I don't know. The What's his face? Farhan came out and said that they're hoping for big things out of him this year. Um, he's, a, he's a platoon bat, but it's just, it's so cheap. Like, I, I like Lamonte. He's not too old. Fair enough. All right. Uh, my guy is... Um... Gross. <laughs> well, I think all of those picks are gross, except I actually like um, yours is the least gross, Graham, because like he was going like pick 300 last year ish. So, and and they really didn't replace him at all. He might even have a bigger opportunity than he did last year. So, yeah, that's a good call. Um, second base, let's go on to you, Steve, for second base. I'm going to go with uh, Michael Massey over in Kansas City. I think the uh, Mondesi trade did clear the deck a little bit in the infield, uh, even though he was you know, questionable with the injury. I think the only competition left is Nicky Lopez, who best in a utility role anyway. Uh, Massey's going to give you a lot of help across the board. He's got a little pop. He's, I've, some scouts call him an efficient base runner, which is perfect. You know, maybe the rule changes help a guy like that. Uh, Left-handed hitter uh, in, in, in case, uh, I don't know, they, they, roster resource has him in a, uh, uh, platoon, but I, I could see him playing every day. I, I I like Massey in this role. Right on. Okay, Russell, who do you got for second base? Uh, let's go Jonathan Scope, full-time player. Uh, I like him for a little bit of a bounce back, better dimensions in Detroit. So give me those, give me those at bats. All right, Graham. Ooh, uh, at bats, a lead Diaz. I have, I have nothing else good to say about him. He'll get right. lots of at-bats. Okay. My guy is... Um... All right, let's go to shortstop, Steve. All right, now th at this point in the draft, you're faced with a decision, two paths here. One path, and I, I'm going to go the other path, but the, the first path, you got the tempting... Uh, prospects here you got the Ellie Dela Cruz in there you know he, he comes up in in July he supercharges your team 
You also got Royce Lewis maybe coming back from an injury. You know, he had that little taste of uh, big league action, looked look like the superstar he could be, you know, just in that short thing. He's hurt his knee a few times. I don't know with uh, the Correa signing, they're going to put him back. But anyway, I'm going the other way. This is not my risk reward. I'm going to go with Dylan Moore. You know, kind of gives you a little bit of everything. Multi-position eligibility adds the outfield. Uh, he's got that little role carved out. I think Colton Wong is going to be strictly platoon. That's going to give Moore at least the uh, action against the lefties. That means he'll pick up second base eligibility. It's going to give you that elu those elusive steals very late. Kind of like a Swiss Army knife play here. And uh, I'm high on Dylan Moore in this spot. Well, breaking news, the Seattle Mariners just uh, signed him to an extension. I think a modest one. I think uh, I just read, I just glossed over it. I think it was like three years, eight mil, something like that. I don't know. Uh, they, they did sign him, apparently. So I don't know. That means um, they're probably less likely to release him. So that's good. Not that not that you were concerned about that anyways, given how high you were on him. Um, Russell. Russell. I'm going to be a broken record here and uh, go for the, the steady everyday playing time, J.P. Crawford. Heard he might be platooned as well. Well, we'll see. With um, with uh, Steve's guy. Okay, Graham. Shortstop, hey. Shortstop, hey. Hey, there was a there's an H in there. Yeah, give me give me Jose Barrero. Okay. I, I like that pick. I know you do. That's why I said it. Do you think he stole my pick? Uh, no, I didn't think he was your pick. I just. It, it's funny just He's the not. conversations we've had about him. Like oh, I, I loved him. I, yeah. I, two years ago, he was like, I was doing all these drafts, and I think he was on 100% of my teams up to a certain point. When he was Jose Garcia. Yes. It, right. it's, it, it's interesting, right? Like, he's top 30, top, yeah, probably in baseball, like top 30, 40-ish prospect. Like, the defense is going to carry, and he got promoted too early in the COVID year, and then last year he broke his... He broke his something, hand, wrist. Is and there? Then a, he was terrible. So there, I don't know. Is there a situation where, like, the current um, depth chart person who's on top is actually going after the guy that's going that's like below them in the depth chart and is in the minor leagues? In this case, Ellie De La Cruz and Jose Barrero. I, I, I granted, De La Cruz might not come up and play shortstop. He could play a number of different positions. But I can't even think of another situation where you have like Barrero going at like pick 550 and then Dela Cruz going maybe 100 picks higher. Yeah, okay, there's there's another example right there. So there's two examples. Campusana so, Nola. Is Campusana going ahead of Nola? No. So that's not an example, is it? Oh, sorry. Um, all right, but no, those are two examples. Um, my guy at shortstop is uh, so third base, Man, hey, anytime, anytime now. I have to bleep that out too. Way to go, Steve, You're making more work for me. All right, um, go ahead. Uh, third base, this is this is a, a another of my many irrational picks. This is a guilty pleasure. I, I I look at the StatCast page every year, and I, I can't get away from it. I always think there's going to be so much more, and there never is. Is it Heimer Kandela? No. <laughs> uh, 
It's J.D. Davis. Oh, I always you. think there's going to be more. I, I can't get away from it. Um, he's, he's, he's in a playing time jam here. He's got a crunch. He's, he's, he's poor defensively. He's got strikeout issues. So I, I don't know if I see him at third base. That's probably going to be Flores. Uh, and if it's not, it might be David VR. You know, it's crowded there. So he's uh, potentially on the short side of the platoon with uh, Lamont Wade Jr. mentioned earlier. But it, it's just, he got traded there. He went on a heater. And, you know, Gabe Kapler, he likes to tinker. Will he notice that JD doesn't really have pronounced splits? You know, he could potentially uh, take one of these jobs and run with it. I'm, I'm, I'm just irrationally going to take the gamble. Okay. So I, I like that. I like that call. Russell. Mine is Heimer Candelario. No way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I liked, I liked him a good deal heading into last <laughs> season. It was obviously a disaster. The change of scenery. Is going to do him good, um, so I'm I'm betting on the on the bounce back. G man, did I just call you G man? Yeah. Are, are we at that point? In, are we at that point in our relationship? I've never called you that before. That was weird. Yeah, it's weird. So, sorry. Uh, post five hundred, post four hundred, four hundred. Fuck man, uh, give me Hunter Dozier. Shout out to Gialdi. Shout out to you, Gialdi. All right. I have no real reasoning for it. Cool. He's he's gonna get at bats. I don't know. Multi multi boy hits the ball hard. He's a multi boy. Um. Okay. My guy here is. Uh, we talked about him before in this podcast. Just outside of top four hundred, but I'll I'll take it. Get, gonna get playing time. Manager said he's gonna basically the starter. Um. Sorry, I said I wasn't gonna go into detail. Okay. Do you do you want to do corner and middle or no? No? Okay. Um, outfield. All right. I, I didn't make this selection just because I wanted to hear you and Graham repeat the name, but I went with James Outman. Would that be Outman with you guys? Outman. <laughs> James Outman, but, but But, you know, the news of Miguel Vargas maybe settling in at second base kind of interested me a little more in, in uh, Outman because – the competition in the outfield is now Trace Thompson, a journeyman, Chris Taylor, potentially kind of more of a utility type thing, and uh, retread Jason Hayward. So Altman's a good power speed combination, left-handed bat. Uh, he had kind of an up and down little visit to the majors. He struck out seven times in 13, 14 at bats, but he did homer and hit two doubles. So he was... Uh, he made a big impact, and uh, I don't know. He's he could very well start for the Dodgers if if they don't trade for Brian Reynolds uh, in the meantime. Okay. How many outfielders did you have? Did you just have one, or we? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll th I'll throw another one out there. Uh, uh, another guy I have trouble quitting, and and this price is is just too attractive for me. Is is Joe Adele, and uh, you know he's 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 another of these busts that I like to to hang on to. But it's clear that his time with the Angels is done. You know, I mean, right down to signing uh, Brett Phillips to take that last spot on the bench to close all doors. So I don't know. I, I just feel like he's going to get traded and a fresh start. 
you know, you, you look at some, some teams that are kind of uh, have outfield possibilities. What, what if he goes to Colorado or Cincinnati? These are kind of unsettled teams, you know, in, in the outfield. So um, I, I hang on to hope that, that Joe Adele could be, you know, if he, get, if he gets a chance at, I mean, he couldn't catch a fly ball last year. I mean, that's how messed up he was. And maybe a lot of that was mental. So I'm, I'm hoping for a bounce back and a trade. I think he's going to need a trade or injury. He's going to need something. Um, he's going to he's going to need some sort of inertia of some sort. So, um, are you done, or are you? Uh, and, and if I if I got to complete the outfield, um, I I like the possibilities of Cleveland outfielder uh, Will Brennan. Yeah. Um, his competition is uh, your your favorite rabbit, uh, Miles Straw, out there. <laughs> And Brennan was pretty solid at the end of the year. He does a little bit of everything. And uh, as you know, Straw does one thing. So um, I, I, I could see Straw losing that job and, and, and Brennan taking over and running with it. I could have seen that last year too. Russell, what you got? All right, I'll start with, um, with Jesus Sanchez in Miami. He makes really good quality of contact, but... Uh, he just hasn't really been able to put it all together at the, at the major league level yet. I think at some point this season, he'll get another opportunity to do that and, and maybe he can make it happen. Um, I'll also go with, uh, let's see here. I'll go with Matt Veerling. Um, he's in Detroit now. It's kind of the same situation he was in last season. Um, you're just kind of hoping that he can work out a regular role for himself. And there were points during the season uh, last year when when he was useful, and I think Detroit brought him in with 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 the intention of using him more often than than Philadelphia did. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity there, so this this could finally be the year that that you know he ends September as a as a regular player moving forward. Um, and if I had to pick a third on the fly here. I'll go with straw. I mean, right outside 400. Oh, come on. Get off this uh, podcast. I mean, Rick, get him up. Rick, just, how do we get this guy off? You could, you could, you could shuffle him in on, on sections <laughs> of the week where he's playing four games, maybe get a couple of steals here and there. The new rules might do him well. Yeah. I don't think he's, I mean, he's a bad player. He's, he's not a good baseball player on offense anyway, but um, I think he's a little bit better than he was last season. And that's fair. That's a fair comment. Graham, are you prepared for this? No. Uh, outfielder, late. Yo, give me my boy, uh, Jack Suwinski. Okay. I love that guy. Uh, just pop. They're, they're going to trade Reynolds. He doesn't want to be there. Their, their ask is outrageous, but like they're going to move. I, I think he's going to the Dodgers. And. Mm. Yeah, Swinsky's Swinsky's athletic. He can play center. Other guy, actually, now that I'm just digressing and going on a tangent, um, other guy would be Jiwon Bay. That, that guy's going late. He's got speed. There was a recent thing saying that he was going to focus on the infield, though. So, yeah, those are my two. Pirates. Okay. I have five here. How many should I say? I don't know. Do what makes you feel comfortable. Okay. I have um... – I know. I know he's hurt. Got you, Russell. Um, 
And then I'll go with um, our boy. Don't want to say him. He's going to get bleeped out anyways. And um, I'll go with. Um... All right. Uh, are we doing utility or no? No. No. All right. Let's go pitching staff. You can, uh, Steve, you can tell me as many guys as you want. Well, I, I have but throw, two. But throw in my... a rel- make sure one's a reliever because that's what everyone wants to hear. All right. Well, well, I got I got two on the on the on the starting side. Uh, risk reward profile again. Uh, I like Cade Cavalli. You know, this is a guy with uh, multiple potential plus pitches. Big, strong guy. Uh, one kryptonite though is he is command and control, and I know that's a big one, but. You know, again, can can a guy with the natural tools figure it out on the fly? He's got, he looks like he's going to slot into the rotation from day one. You know, maybe I don't roll him out there until he figures things out, hopefully. But uh, big arm, uh, low pressure situation in, in Washington. You know, maybe he makes something of that. I, 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 I like Cavalli. Uh, another guy I'm interested, this is more of a swing man, just could do anything out in San Diego, Adrian Morjan. He's a, this is a left. You want to talk about an arm that's got low miles on it. You know, he's, he's been around for five or six years. I think he's got 200 innings total, you know, and um, he was considered uh, before Lugo got over there as maybe a, a fifth starter position throws hard from the left side. Um, he, he could fit in anywhere. He could give you good quality, uh, multiple innings and middle relief. Um, if Hader were to self-destruct, you know, he could find himself in the, in the closer mix or the high, high leverage. Um, he's not going to give you a lot of innings, but just, just an interesting arm. Okay. Rel- reliever. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sticking out, uh, in DC, uh, Hunter Harvey has been a, a closer in waiting for quite a while. You know, he was mm. injured a lot in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, he, he actually comes from a closer family. I said Mike Moore earlier, and that was a pitcher for the Mariners back, back when I was a kid instead of, instead of Batmore. But Brian Harvey, during that same period, pitched for the, uh, the Angels and the Marlins. He had a couple of 40, 40 save seasons, so... Hunter comes from good stock. He, he, he throws the gas. Um, his only competition is Finnegan. And, uh, you know, that, that's a piece that could be traded off if he doesn't fail the roll away anyway. Um, Hunter Harvey's ready to go if he gets the opportunity. It's a good call. Russell, I know you got to go soon. So you can, you can give me your pictures and you can, pay, you can peace out. Find Russell at Armchair Roto, right? That's right. Um... I just realized I've been looking at the uh, the ADP since October, so I apologize, everybody. Um, for a starting pitcher, I'm going to go with Waka. He had a good season last year. He's one of those guys people aren't confident in drafting because he's not signed, but he's going to sign somewhere. And as soon as he does, he's going to he's going to shoot up the ADP a pretty good amount. Um, and for a reliever, I kind of like Carl Edwards Jr. Uh, he's a He's a decent arm in Washington. Uh, Kyle Finnegan's the, the closer right now, but it's not difficult to, to see the opportunity popping up there for, for someone else. Maybe Finnegan pitches well and gets traded. Um, 
and Edwards is one of the few competent arms that they actually have. And I could see him you know, grabbing eight to 10 saves towards, towards the end of the season. Okay. So Russell, I don't know if you have to leave, but you can, you can leave at any time. Appreciate you coming on. You were Steve's pick, pick to win. For and he, he, he totally delivered. So uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to meet you, Russell. That's you awesome. too, Steve. I, I, uh, I appreciate it. It's very nice to, to meet you. And Zach, thanks for having me on. I feel like Cupid here, matching, matching you guys up together. All right. Thanks, Russell. Graham, do, you want, you, do, you want... do I want to give a pitcher? Pitcher, pitchers. Oh, let's see. Uh, yeah, we're going Blue Jays. No. No? Sure, right. go ahead. Go we're ahead. not going Blue Jays. All right. No, go ahead. This is crusty and nasty. You say Kukuchi. Give me that. Oh, that's, that's, worse oh, than, that's worse than Miles Straw. It's so gross. It's yeah. so gross. I, I don't know. I just yeah, – I guess I think that there's up. something there. And The like, Jays are serious. They're serious about competing. They're not going to let him be the fifth starter. But are they, though? Like, they haven't – Pay, are they paying they him? What are they paying him? They gave him like a three-year contract. Jeez. Like I think he, like he's the five to start at least, and he was striking guys out like crazy when they stuck him in the pen. I I wonder if they do like a a weird three-man Franken or three-inning like Frankenstein fifth spot. He's shaking his but, head no, but I think I don't know. I just they paid him too much money, man. He's gonna start. Hopefully not. I'm not looking forward to that. I don't really want to watch it. And then, and then just to piggyback off that, uh, give me Nate Pearson. I can get on board with that. I, I don't think he's going to start. I, th I think he's basically going to do what I just described with Kikuchi. He's going to do two and three innings, and he was throwing gas at the Winter League. And if he's healthy, he'll throw, you know, 80, 90 innings, which if you're getting him pick, you know, 600 550 like that's pretty good just an update on it for everyone who's listening um graham's um spouting up a terrible um uh post 400 picking kikuchi while you're hearing all his picks go off he's in a live draft oh i gotta mute that hey <laughs> probably <laughs> oh sorry i'm Did gonna i'm gonna draft I mean, I, I don't know. I've sort of just gotten used to it but i think like that's for everyone that's graham's doing a live draft during this podcast i'm gonna draft lance lynn uh because i trashed him earlier and uh <laughs> All right, um, and you want to give any more pictures? No, that's a, that's all I got. All right, I'll give a couple. Um, pitch mix last year, at the end of the year. Um, decent stadium now. Last guy I'll mention, um, and I'm, I'm bleeping all these out anyways, but um, Russell was talking about Spencer Strider and he said, and I thought to myself, what pitcher went across all four levels last year or at least three levels last year um, and not necessarily made the major leagues, but somebody that's, that's good. It's a start. Somebody that's going to start potentially somebody that uh, went across all levels, had a high key rate. And that person is, and he's been very late. And um, uh, you've heard people talk about him saying that he has like the, the makeup of someone like Alcantara. He could be, he could, he has like Alcantara type stuff. Um, and he's very much ready for the opportunity, he said. So there's a lot of good things I'm hearing about him, and he's not getting any hype. So that's a guy that, um, it could be, it could be something. So, Steve, thanks very much for coming on this podcast. Um, making your podcast debut, I think you did fantastic. Um, I think you did a fantastic job drafting last year. You had a lot of success, um, monetarily and, um, 
I respect your game a lot. Yeah, it was great to be here. Uh, thanks, thanks for putting up with me as a as a rookie here. Um, I I don't fancy myself as a as a hardcore analyst. I'm 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 kind of a kind of just a risk reward guy. Have fun, love the game, and That's love the show, guys. But happy to be here. That's pretty much how I describe myself as well. I don't see myself as an analyst. I probably draft too risky, and um, I just uh, do a podcast because uh, I want to talk to guys like you. That's about it. So again, Steve, thanks a lot. And um, text me anytime. We'll talk to talk, talk baseball and um, good luck this season. Not too much luck, especially if you're in any of my, any of my leagues. All right. Thanks again. Hey, are you going to Vegas this year? Yes, sir. See you. I'll see you there.